Thank you, Emmanuel, for sharing. I found that to be fascinating, gripping, and challenging. And I trust that you will allow the Lord to speak to your heart through what our brother has shared. In some ways, I trust that it will challenge us to take more seriously and appreciate more fully what we have in our hands what God has allowed us to have. Studying the Word is what we're thinking about for the next few minutes. If you'd like to turn to Psalm 19, I invite your attention there. Psalm 19. I appreciate the emphasis that we have been hearing on the Word. What a blessing it is to us. What a blessing it is to have it. If you'd like to stand for a change of position, I certainly invite you to do that. Psalm 19, verse, verses 7 through 14, reading out of the New King James Version. The psalmist said, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Father, I pray that you would help us in this session this afternoon and that you would be honored and glorified and your word would be uplifted. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Studying the word. Study. Doesn't that sound kind of dry and dusty? Who wants to study? Who enjoyed school? Quite a number of you did. I did as well. And so to be candid with you, I did enjoy studying for this session on studying the Word. But you know, a lot of people think of studying as something very irrelevant, something Unnecessary, and if I can get out of it, I will. And yet the reality is, and you understand this, that the Word of God that we have in our hands is as delightful as a banquet to the body in relation to our soul. We know from our King that it's impossible to live by bread alone. Somehow, some way, we have got to get a hold of this truth, this reality, brothers and sisters, that we can only live from that which proceeds from the mouth of God. And so true study, good study, is not deadening. It's not boring. It should not cause us to yawn. It should be life-giving. It should be exciting. It should cause us to anticipate what God would have for us. I like Webster's 1828 Dictionary. He had a way of defining words that is very 
powerful and effective. He defined the word study as literally a setting of the mind or thoughts upon a subject. And that's what we're thinking about this afternoon. Setting our mind and our thoughts on the Word of God. Why are we setting our mind and our thoughts on a certain subject? He says it's for the purpose of learning what is not before known. Now the short version of this session this afternoon is simply, could be summed up in four words. Here's the four word version. If you fall asleep before the end of the session, at least get these four words. Think hard. Think deep. Think comprehension. The four words are simply this. You can do it. That's really deep, isn't it? (laughs) As I thought about it, the reality is you and I can do this. Study can look like something monumental or something that I have to set aside an hour or two hours before I can properly engage in it. But that's not the case at all. Every one of us are called, I believe, to this matter of studying the Word of God and how precious it is when we recognize so many that do not have it. Our brother said that this weekend is going to involve participation. So I'm simply going to ask you to participate by saying back to me two phrases or two sentences. First of all, I'd like to hear you say, I should do it. Let me hear you say it. Uh, okay, and secondly, I can do it. Well, that sounds, uh, sounds like you sort of believe it. Let me hear that one more time. Amen. Okay. Which would logically be followed by another phrase, which I will not ask you to quote together in unison, but that is the commitment, I will do it. That is the logical next step, is it not? I believe that's something that within our own hearts, every brother and sister here, we need to make and determine within ourselves By God's help and grace, I will do it. As we come to this matter of studying the Word, there are certainly many angles that we could take, many approaches. I would like to simply share three with you this afternoon. First of all, I believe that we need to approach this matter of studying the Word. We need to approach it reverently. I'm sure that you all agree with that. I don't hear any boos. I don't hear any amens though either. Are there any amens? Approach it reverently. When you look through Scripture, I believe you find that the men who spoke for God on God's behalf were very careful in how they handled the Word of God. This was something they did not take lightly, but they handled it with care and appreciation. The idea of reverence carries with it many different ideas. One of those is the recognition that what we have here is God-breathed. Isn't that amazing to think about? Of all the books in all the world, and I love books, there's only one book that has a distinction of being breathed by Almighty God and available to us today to study. I think of what Brother Merle said earlier. What would have happened? Where would we be today if we did not have the written word available to us? 
You know, sometimes I think that the Lord delights in using even unbelievers to remind me of how precious and priceless this Word is. Part of the work that I do is driving school bus for the local school district, public school system, the West Perry School District. And in the course of my driving there the last four years, I got to know a bus driver, a fellow bus driver by the name of Bob Brown. Now, don't ask me why, but some people find his name humorous. And Bob's a pretty humorous man. But Bob is a man who's getting older. He's in his late 50s, early 60s, and he's starting to think very seriously about spiritual things. About a year and a half ago, Bob came to me. He said, you know, I could go to your church. I could sit in a service and listen to a message. And after an hour, I could leave. I would go home. And I wouldn't understand really a thing that I had heard. He said, I really don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know anything about much of anything about Christianity. He said, what I'd really like to have is a Bible study. I said, well, I believe we can do that. I'd never tried to offer a Bible study before. But I was aware of a curriculum called Firm Foundations offered through New Tribes Missions that will take the student through the Bible chronologically from creation to Christ, hitting the high points and laying a firm foundation for understanding basic scriptural themes. And so as we began that study March, a year and three months ago, four months ago, Bob began to dive into the Word. He said, you know what, I want to I wanna read the Scripture. I said, well, if you like, you might want to start in some place like Matthew or John. He said, no, I want to start right from the beginning. And he really didn't know Genesis from Revelation, but he wanted to learn. And so Bob jumped in. I thought, well, I'm going to see how long this lasts. You know, is he going to make it even through the first five books of the Old Testament? But once you know it, Bob started plowing through, and he got excited about what he was reading. Probably late last fall, early this year, sometime in there, Bob came to me and he said, you know what? I just now got into Job, and he's, he's a phenomenal man. He said, you've got to preach on Job. Job is wonderful. Like, well, I I like Job, but I never really thought of Job as so amazing. (laughs) And then just several months ago, he started getting into Jeremiah. He said, oh, Jeremiah is just just great. I love Jeremiah. And then Ezekiel and Daniel. And he's raising questions and he's asking about various things in relation to these books. And I thought, you know, it's just like the Lord to use my friend to challenge me to remember how wonderful the entire counsel of God is. What a blessing it is to have every part of it, and especially the Old Testament. Amen. And so I believe that if we're going to have a reverence for the Word, we're going to recognize this is specially given to us from the Lord. We're going to realize as well that we need the Spirit's help. Somehow it takes a special help from God to understand what are in these pages, the truths that are here. I remember as a teenager, I was struggling in my spiritual life and I counseled with a pastor and I explained to him that I just felt like I wasn't getting anything out of the Word. And he gave me the wise counsel as probably you have heard in your own life. He said, before you read, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. Open your understanding to what you are about to read. You know, I've done that so many times, and God is so gracious and faithful to do that. We need the Spirit's help to understand this amazing Word that He's given to us. 
And really, is that not the Spirit's desire to guide us into all truth? I believe also when we approach this with reverence, we will have an expectation that Jesus wants to reveal Himself to us. Somehow we, we recognize that Christ wants to become real to us in the pages of this book. It's not just some dry and dusty volume. This is a living and breathing Word of God to us. Do you see that mindset here of how it changes a person's outlook and understanding? I believe that studying the Word really is difficult and dry if I come at it merely from the point of a responsibility. But if I come at it from the angle of relationship and I'm seeking my Lord in the pages, or as we sang in that song, beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. Then the study becomes alive and real and a blessing. I believe that if we have a reverence for the Word, it's going to impact the time that we take for it. Both how much time and when we take that time. I believe we'll do that when we are the sharpest, when we're most alert, whether that's in the evening or in the morning. I heard of some people that have taken up the commitment, no Bible, no breakfast. Now for some of you that like your breakfast, that can be pretty tough. But it could also be a powerful challenge to make sure that the Bible comes first in study. It's also going to affect, if we have a reverent attitude, the treatment of the Word. I don't want to take this too far, but as I was growing up as a boy, my mom was very careful to challenge me not to put things on top of the Bible or to treat it lightly as a book or as an object. I'm not saying that if you stack things on top of your Bible, you're not a Christian. (laughs) But I am saying that what she trained into me gave me a special reverence for this book. I don't idolize it. I don't worship it. But I do treat it with a special respect and a special reverence. I remember reading some years ago of a girl who was raised in a Muslim home and her father, a devout Muslim man, was very devoted to studying his holy book, the Quran. And she talked about how as he would take the time, perhaps one or even two hours in the evening, to study through the Quran, he would pick it up and he would kiss it in appreciation for the words that it contained. And I will confess to you that since reading that, there are times when I have picked up my Bible and I have kissed it because of the appreciation that I have for the Word of God in my hand. It's important for us to approach the study of the Word with reverence. It's also important for us to approach it not only reverently, but to approach it regularly. I know you agree with this as well. I'm not preaching anything that's totally off the wall or anything like that. Certainly we remember that the Bereans were commended in Acts 17.11. Why? It says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that, that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily. 
They searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. And I would encourage you, if you've not already done so, to make a commitment to get into the Word every single day. Don't let a day go by. And I'm not perfect in this area, but that is my desire. That is my goal. That is the target toward which I'm shooting. You know, I find that being regular is very helpful because when I make it a part of my life and as it becomes a part of the daily routine, it's much easier for me to remember if something comes up, oh yes, I've not had time to study in the Word yet today. I'd like to share just a few things that have been helpful to me as I've gone through this learning experience of studying the Word I want to encourage you that studying doesn't have to be complicated. That's why I challenge you to make that statement. I can do it. I should do it. And I want you to make that statement in your heart. I will do it. Because study doesn't require, thankfully, a Ph.D. or linguistic studies. I would suggest to you it doesn't even require a stack of commentaries. You can understand the Word of God as it's given to us here. You can read it and receive from it for yourself. I would encourage you, though, to have a plan. Does God bless spontaneity? He does. I believe that God appreciates and uses spontaneity. And yet the truth is, God does bless planning. At some point in your Christian walk, sooner rather than later, I would challenge you to take the challenge to read through the Bible in one year. And after you've done that, I would like you to think about doing it for a second year and a third. And to take it on as a personal challenge to be involved on a regular basis going through the Scriptures. There are some wonderful things that come out of that discipline. Not the least of which is if you miss a day, you're going to find out how hard it is to catch up after two or three days. But even beyond that, it forces us to go into portions of the Word that we would tend to shy away from or not think about or simply wouldn't care to read. To be candid with you, I do not turn to the genealogies when I'm looking for inspiration. But on a Bible reading plan, I'm forced to go through hundreds and hundreds of names And say, thank you, Lord. You care about the generations. You were faithful to multiple generations of people. And I believe there's a purpose why you have placed these in your word. Now, beyond reading through it in a year, if you'd like to do something different, there are certainly many other options available. I would encourage you to check them out. If you have a smartphone, there are multiple apps available to take you through the Bible in a year. If you don't have a specific plan as far as going through the Word, simply read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, and that will get you through. Another thing that's been very helpful to me, it's just very simple, not complex. I like simplicity. I simply have made up a little page that has every day of the year with a checkbox on it. And then what I do is is I I look at the, the Bible that I'd like to read for that year, and I've gone through various Bibles, read through various Bibles, 
Take the number of pages, divide them by 365. Or if I think I need two years to get through it, divide it by that number. And use that as my guide for how many pages I need to read every day. And I want to encourage you to think about possibly, possibly, using either a different study Bible than you're used to, or, and please, if you think this sounds heretical, don't de-Christianize me, using a different translation. I highly appreciate the Elizabethan English of the King James. I will say, though, that I find my mind sort of rolling over the words like water over smooth pebbles because I've heard it so much throughout my life that when I move into a different translation, there are things that jump out at me because I'm forced to think more carefully about it and I cannot just mindlessly read over that passage. I would commend to you at least two different Bibles that I have read through. One's called the Evidence Bible by Ray Comfort and he calls it the easy reading, comfortable KJV. Basically, he took all the these, thous, and thys and changed them into you, your, and they. Things like that. Uh, a tremendous wealth of information here as well as far as uh, different ways to witness, to talk with people about the Lord. Another Bible that I would encourage you to read through would be the Reese Chronological Bible. This is King James. And to get an understanding or a grasp on the totality of Scripture in history, when the kings lived, which prophets were prophesying during the reigns of those kings? Tremendously helpful. You know, I've been to four years of Bible school, but I learned so much in simply reading through this chronological Bible. I wish it had been a requirement in my studies in school. I find it interesting that in the Reese study Bible or the chronological Bible, the very first verse or verses that he begins with is, in the beginning was the word. That's chronologically correct, do you not think? And the word was with God and the word was God. It's things like that, just a chronological layout that can help make the study of Scripture so beneficial and valuable to us. I would encourage you, if possible, to listen to the Bible on an audio version of some sort, MP3, CD, tape. I have found that there are things that jump out to my ears that my eyes overlook. I would encourage you to think about possibly reading a chapter a day out of the Proverbs, which corresponds with the 30 or 31 days of the month. If you're looking for something to touch your emotions or something that will give you a deeper a sense of feeling, go to the Psalms. There's deep feeling and pathos there. What I'm trying to encourage you this afternoon is you don't have to be bored silly. In fact, it would be wrong for you to be bored silly when there are so many powerful and wonderful options available to us. And one more side note, study Bibles, as wonderful as they are, this one is the John Maxwell Study Bible, Leadership Bible, as wonderful as those study notes are, they are not inspired. Make sure you're in the Word. Reading the notes is great. It's encouraging. It's enlightening. It's interesting. But there's nothing to compare to the Word of God itself. So approach it reverently and regularly. And finally, I would challenge you to approach it reflectively. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean it in at least two ways. Psalm 119.99 says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. 
When I challenge you and encourage you to approach the Scripture reflectively, what I'm challenging you to do is approach it thoughtfully. I encourage you to get into it regularly, and that was emphasizing larger portions. That's good. We need to be into large portions of Scripture. In fact, I would encourage you just to take a day or take an hour or two to read through an entire book in one setting. It will change your perspective on a book. But when it comes to reflective involvement, I'm thinking more of smaller portions. Taking the time to really get into a verse or a word. To slow down long enough to really study what is before us. You know, I mentioned my friend Bob Brown who likes Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Job. (laughs) He told me that in the early months, the first several months that he was reading through the Old Testament, and I believe he's now in the Minor Prophets somewhere, But in those early months, as he was going through the books of Moses and Joshua and Judges and those, he would try to see how much he could read. He'd sit for an evening and he'd just read and read and read, page after page after page. But then he said, you know what, I changed my style of study. And now what he often does is he will sit by his computer with his Bible in his hand. And because he has so little understanding of Scripture or Christian background, he will look up virtually every word that he does not understand, including towns, geographical locations. He will go onto some online Bible site to try to understand what is this verse and this passage saying. And he said, you know what? I'm getting out so much more out of my study because I'm taking the time. He said, in fact, when I finish the Old Testament, I think I'll go back and start at Genesis again and start through doing it the new way. <laughs> wow. I appreciate his zeal. I appreciate his joy in the Word. And praise God, he got saved at the end of June. He's now walking with the Lord. And has just as much zeal as ever to be in the Word. Now I'd like to just add a few things here as far as reflecting on the Word. In growing up, and even in my years, or in my early 20s, I was reticent to mark anything in my Bible. I always tried to keep my Bible clean and neat, And I still do. However, my philosophy of Bible marking has changed. And I want to encourage you to think about making a change as well. If you honestly feel like you ought not to mark the Word, I appreciate that. I accept that as a personal conviction of yours. But I do want to encourage you that when I changed and I began to start highlighting things that jumped out to me, when I began to mark things that there was a parallel or I could see that there was a a cross-reference in another place and, and all of a sudden I'm making some connections and I'm seeing underlying themes. When I go back and look at those things, the Word is so much more meaningful because I can remember how God talked to me in those times of study. I have a friend who has said quite publicly and clearly that he owns a book in his library that he would not sell for any of the money on the earth. He said, you could offer me a million dollars and I wouldn't give it up. You know what that book is? This man who 
was not raised in a Christian home, got saved in his teens out of a life of sin, a terrible home life, had a godly grandmother who prayed and went to church regularly. And as that grandmother sat in church, she would mark the text that the preacher was preaching from and the date that he preached it. She would mark down the main points. In her prayer times, she would mark out the specific promises that God gave her for her grandchildren and for her children. Put those in the margins. And so my friend literally has a veritable journal of inestimable worth of the thoughts and prayers and experiences of his grandmother. Can you imagine any greater heritage to pass on to your children than a Bible that's filled with personal notations and marks of how God has been moving in your life? And so I want to encourage you, if you have a personal conviction against marking in the Word, and please don't de-Christianize me because I do, I, I respect that, but I would encourage you, put it down somewhere. Put it into a journal. Write down what God is revealing to you because most of us tend to forget. The weakest ink is better and stronger than the strongest memory, is what they say. And so I would encourage you, mark down what God is teaching you. It will be helpful to you in the days ahead as well as to the generations who will come after you. To come to study God's Word reflectively, not only in a thoughtful manner, but to reflect gives a different idea as well. And the challenge that I leave with you is to think about how you can reflect Christ through what you've read. We're not interested in piling on more information and more information. Information by itself does not lead to transformation. More and more programs, more and more studies, more and more even Kingdom Fellowship weekends will not lead to transformation unless we are looking to the Christ beyond the page. My understanding is that the early Anabaptists considered Bible study as a means, not just an end. It's so easy for us today, to, at least for me, I like to study. I get all wrapped up in knowing or understanding this one detail and how it relates to other details. And that has its place. But what about the Christ beyond the page? What about my relationship with Him? You see, the Word did become flesh and dwell among us. But God wants the Word to become flesh again through you and me. And so the challenge is for us to move from being just a reader to being a receiver to being a reflector. I think many of us are good at reading. Many of us are good at receiving. But God help us to reflect. We are called not to be just a reservoir, but a river. And so in closing, this matter of studying the Word has powerful implications for us. We have within our possession the opportunities to study it like no other generation in history has had through the tools available to us in technology. And I trust that 
you can see more clearly the blessing that awaits those who take the time to delve in reverently, regularly, reflectively. We need to allow God's truth to transform us, not just to build up some ego trip about how much I know. But how well do I know Him? Reflecting Christ, reflecting Him in our scriptures as far as writing in the margins or reflecting Him in our journal, reflecting Him to the world. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Well, dear brothers and sisters, that was so much during the last couple of hours here. I wonder what you're doing with what you've heard. (laughs) My cup is full and running over. The children sing. And uh, I'm sure that many of you would have had testimonies after every one of those sessions. Where's Brother Manuel? Where did he go? 10% 10 of them being used. I'll give you one reason why. Because after one translation was done, the Mianga language, that's an indigenous language in Nicaragua, some 3,000 copies of a Bible were printed and stuck together in the American, in, in the Bible, United Bible Society office in Managua, Nicaragua, and they were stuck there in boxes. I don't know how many years they were stuck in boxes, but not one Bible got to the people they were translated for. And CAM bought all those Bibles. And in canoes and on balsam rafts and in backpacks, those, those Bibles went to every one of the Myungna villages in northern Nicaragua through a program that we put together there and with the work of Brother Ben Sullivan. That's one of the reasons why it isn't done. I think there's other reasons why it's not, they're not used. And uh, we've heard about that throughout this afternoon, Brother Manuel. And that is that we need more than a written translation. And this, we've heard this several times now throughout this weekend, Brother Manuel. You know what's coming next? <laughs> the people need to see a living translation. And Brother, until they see that, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And uh, it's one thing for Abraham to take his son up to Moriah. It's another thing for you and Phoebe to take your son to Moriah. And for them to see you take your son to Moriah. 